The following podcast is brought to you by Astro Panda Productions. For more information or to find other great shows, visit astropandaproductions.com or visit the Astro Panda Productions page on blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Geekish Cast, episode number 178 with Brian King. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us again. This has been a rough couple months, and we've had a lot of actors in a row and not as many comic book guys. Uh, I actually have to thank PD Beats or PD Remolitas for hooking us up with Brian King to come on and talk about his show that's ending season one, The Shy, which I believe is on Showtime. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll bring Brian in, and we'll talk to him and find out a little more about his show. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us again. Again, I'm your host, Jeremy. This is episode number 178 of the Geekish Cast, and joining me today is actor Brian King. What's happening, Brian? What's up, Jeremy? How are you? Thanks for having me. I am doing quite well, and thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. I know an actor's life is a busy one, so it's always I always appreciate it when you guys take the time to come on. Oh, I appreciate it. It's a mirage. We're just drinking coffee and being depressed. That's 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 <laughs> active. That's active. It's You know, you're doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, I, I just want to kind of say this real quick. When uh, our, our mutual friend Petey offered you as a guest to me or wanted to see if I'd be interested in having you on, when I first read the name of the show, I read The Chi, and I thought it would be like a 1970s like Kung Fu <laughs> with David Carradine. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's funny. The name was like such a I, – I mean, I'm from born and raised in Chicago, so immediately, you know, the shy makes sense to me. But, uh, you know – I can't believe this has been like a year, almost a year to the date since I got the part to now an ending that throughout that time, how many people it's the chai or the chi or the the actual shy as in like S.H.Y. And you're just like, wow, I never thought that was going to be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if it's people that aren't from our second city who uh, yeah. just don't know that name. I honestly I only knew that that term from a pro wrestling match I saw as a kid. Ooh. It was like the Road Warriors versus somebody on a scaffold in a match that was in Chi Town, and that was the only. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was the only reason I knew that phrase growing up in California. You know. Well, yeah, I think the Chi Town is like totally uh, known. But the funny thing is, all the people that mispronounce it are people I know from Chicago, which is still like what. And, you know, especially when it's like, oh, it's a show about Chicago and you're just like, wow, OK. Even wow. friends of mine, it's like good best friends of mine that live here from the south side of Chicago or like where the show's from. are like, so when does the chai air? And you're like, are you serious, man? Like, that's oh. crazy. Yeah. Well, maybe you, guys, like, maybe you need a different nickname for the city or just add the Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's finally I think. I'm impressed now that people do know the name. I mean, I guess now that we've like ran and like there's a whole season out there now that people do know the, how to pronounce it. But yeah, the name has always been a thing. I, I don't even know if they anticipated that being a thing. The peeps at Showtime. It's hilarious. No, probably not. Because they probably ran a bunch of marketing guys. You know, like, Hey, what do you think of this name? They all went, oh, yeah, we all know that name. And there right. you go. Yeah. Well, so yeah. what is what is the shy about? 
Um, well, the shy is about the south side of Chicago. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, I think we hear about the south side of Chicago in the news a lot over the last few years as being a place where there's a lot of violence and um, about, the you know, people getting killed and especially the murder rate in Chicago and stuff. So the shy is about you know, one child's death that has this ripple effect through these different stories in this neighborhood and uh, shows that like maybe one child's death, whether, you know, that, you know, wasn't something, you know, was by circumstance and how it affects all the people in that community in some level. And I think it just puts a microscope under what uh, those neighborhoods are. And it's different than what we think, you know, um, I think the news presents it as this really violent thing. And there are, is violence, but there are real just people trying to live their lives and have normal lives like everybody else. Um, so that's kind of what it's about. Kind of sounds like a little bit like The Wire or uh, yeah, Homicide. I think, yeah. yeah, The Wire is one of the biggest comparisons we get. And I think uh, our creator, Lena Waithe, and Common, uh, Lena Waithe, actually it's her show that she created. The the Those uh, comparisons have been here since the beginning, and she has a really great way of explaining it where The Wire is about the system. And our show, The Shy, is about the people who are affected by the system. And although I play a detective on the show, our detective story is one slice of that cake. And uh, I think that's the best way to sum it up is how she did it where, again, like – the wire is about the system. This is more about the people in the system and okay. how they're affected by it. Yeah, I can. It's kind of how I describe the difference between DC and Marvel comics. Whereas, mm. whereas I say Marvel comics is about the lives of the people in the costume and DC costume is about, or DC characters are about superheroes in costume. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Are you a Marvel DC guy? I'm a DC guy. Um, how about you? You got a preference between the two? I'm, I would say I'm a DC guy just from like childhood. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I'm a Batman dude. I'm a yeah. huge Batman dude. Always forever. Uh, but I mean, like, how can you not love what Marvel does and what they're doing? And you just gotta like, and to go into the DC universe movie wise versus the Marvel universe, it's, it's, it's gonna get me angry even thinking about it. And <laughs> it's so frustrating, man. Who just recently somebody I can't remember a comic book writer was talking about why the DC movies aren't going and he said that they're not cinematic because mm-hmm. basically their characters are gods that come in and force the world to make sense whereas Marvel you got to deal with you know Spider Man's girl problems and you know uh, uh, Iron Man you got to deal with Tony Stark and his drinking problems and this that and the other and then DC characters are gods and those aren't fun to watch. Right. But they've also like, you know, Warner Brothers has always been like, hey, we're going to take that cinematic approach and really bring in filmmakers and stuff, but they, which they've done. And then they totally make these like terrible decisions later on. And you get just studio notes all over those movies. I mean, Wonder Woman was great. Um, I just watched. I mean, I've been waiting my whole life, as I'm sure you have, for Justice League. Yes. And uh, I was actually on vacation when Justice League came out, and I planned my whole vacation around where I was going to be and what theater I was going to go to on that vacation. Uh, and I, I was in Vegas at that time. I woke up early, walked down the strip, <laughs> waited in line, and saw it. And it's just like – I was like, okay, okay. And then I just watched it again last weekend because it's finally rentable. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah. Um, man. man. Uh, let, me, let me see. It's not even – I mean I w- I'm cool with Superman versus Batman. That extended cut. That extended cut. Oh, you know, I am so glad you said that because normally I keep that opinion to myself. <clears throat> that three-hour cut where they actually allow uh, Lois and Clark to do some reporting. 
Yeah. And you find out Lex Luthor is paying to have everybody Batman brands uh, killed in prison. Yes. And just all these details. You're like, well, why did you guys, there were all sorts of other things you could have cut and left those in. You know, the things yeah. that made the narrative hold together. Totally. And some of those things that they cut out, they left hanging in the original that you're like, okay, well, that's weird. So to see it pay off and that it was actually there was like, okay, cool. I'm down for this. I thought it was, you know, I had friends over to watch the extended cut who never saw it. Didn't, yeah. never saw the original and they liked it more than I think they would have if they went to the theater for the, the, the first edit. But this move that justice league is not even, I mean the color palette, everything is just like totally oh, like a different movie. It, it does. Yeah. Cause let's, let's get nerdy here for a minute, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take my shirt off real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the end of, of Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. they show a last cutaway shot of Clark's grave. Right. And the dirt is starting to hover above it. Correct. Not even a mention of that in uh, Justice League. No. Not even, I mean, it might as well not even have tried to be a sequel. I mean, it's not. I mean, I really, truly, other than having, like, the similar, like, characters and stuff, it's not at all. I, I really don't think, I mean, they, the whole uh, nightmare sequence isn't referenced. I mean, like, so many things that, like, even at the time, I'm like, this is dumb. And I was like frustrated by some of that nightmare stuff. Like, okay, cool. Now you have an opportunity to make it make sense. Yeah. And all this, like the Snyder, Zack Snyder, like uh, trying to, uh, you know, trying to see his edit of the film, which I'd be interested. But again, I'm still on that ground of like, did you pay that stuff off? I would like to see that. But I don't know. Well, yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot of rumors, and you know, it, it's probably as much BS as there is truth involved in it. But somebody told me that there were scenes, at least written, where, um, oh, they they worked on corrupting Superman, and that was supposed to bring about the nightmare version of the world that you see in Batman versus Superman. But I don't know if that was somebody just like saying that to, I don't know. I feel bad for Henry. Uh, that dude. Oh yeah. I think he is a really great Superman and he got screwed on the whole deal. And I hope they give him a sequel, uh, to man of steel. But I just, that dude has been like, just tell me what to do here because like, <laughs> this is a different, and that you can see that frustration in Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. which I, I was so upset when he got cast, but was way into it after seeing his performance. Let's um. Well, and you were you were in Man of Steel, so you're you're a little bit closer to this. I'm just a fan, but I I, I do want to kind of Henry uh, Cavill yeah. looks the part of both Superman and Clark, and not everybody can do both of those things. No, I I've noticed very often you you end up looking at you know like Dean Cain, you're like yeah he's a he's a good he's a good Clark, but I don't know about a Superman or you know whatever. <laughs> yeah, Dean Cain, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He uh, he always stands out because we had a murder here in my hometown, and Dean Kane actually played the murderer when they did the oh no way the movie of the week. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at him going, yeah, he's supposed to be Superman, and here he's playing Scott Peterson. Come on, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny you always forget about Lois and that show. It was a huge pop. That show was huge. I mean, though, that and Smallville were such huge TV shows you forget about. Oh yeah, well, and Smallville kind of paved the way for the modern era of superhero storytelling on TV. Yeah, because before that, it just they, everybody look at it and go, "Well, you can't do it. It's it's not doable." Oh, dude, I was I watched the Flash Hour CBS show back, you know, the one in the '90s that like, uh, what's his name, um, Danny Elfman, like did the, the oh guy, yeah, the composer for. I was so jacked about that because that was coming off like 
the eight, the Batman Keaton stuff. Yeah. Which was like the reason I'm everything these, you know, now. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, and it, it's unbelievable. Let me, let me ask you this then. I mean, how did you, when did you take an interest in performing arts or acting or what was it you first took an interest in that led you to acting? I think when I was a kid, it was like, you know, my, I come from like a really like, my parents are like wonderful, awesome people, but I think they were always like love TV shows and movies and stuff and, uh, SNL, Saturday Night Live and that thing. And like, um, it's just like them, like, you know, showing me those things and telling me, uh, again, like my dad telling me like, Hey, you know, back, it's so funny. Cause back then it would be like a pamphlet you get at the movie theater that had like, you know, coming soon and it, you get news from it. Or like, again, when Michael, uh, Keaton was cast as Batman, it was just like my dad telling me like being so excited about that, him explaining to me why that was cool. And I was just like, that's awesome. And now that's just like who I am of like, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, Superman was always played at our house with Christopher Reeves and like, you know, all those eighties movies were awesome. But like that stuff just got me really interested in that industry. And I think you're mad. My, my parents are really imaginative people, you know, very creative people, even though they had like, you know, a, my mom's a, you know, did hair and my dad was an electrician, but like their personalities and imagination always like inspired me to like do that. Oh yeah. Well, and hair can be a creative uh, outlet for some people. For sure. Yeah. And I was my my background was plumbing, so electricians scare the hell out of me. So I don't Mm. really know what to say about your dad. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I always ask my brother and sister. I'm like, how many times do you think dad fell off a ladder when no one was around? A bunch. (laughs) It was a bunch. (laughs) A lot. Yeah. A lot. That's that's one thing. I mean, electrical stuff, because I've been zapped a few times while I was soaking wet. Electrical stuff scares me to death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he actually, you know, he wanted me to like, you know, when you're going through college stuff, get any jobs doing that stuff. And I'd be like, do it. And then I'd be like, I, I can't do this. And I think he was frustrated. So luckily this, I think was the only thing that could top that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but overall, were your, were your parents supportive of you uh, becoming an actor? Yeah, always. I think, you know, in college I told them I wanted to do it. And I was, you know, and they, my dad was like, I'm cool with it. You just have to get a degree in something else. That's the deal. So you can have something to fall back on. So I got a degree in writing and uh, I changed my major from theater to writing. And then, you know, from there, they were cool with it and always supportive of it. it I, my parents, you know, give them credit of just like knowing that I had to like, to me, the whole like waiter thing and like struggling artist thing, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a thing. And there's there's nothing wrong with that with. I think that's amazing, but you know, they kind of taught me and you can have a career and a job, you know, it's really hard, but I had a career and a job while I pursued acting my whole life. So I wasn't like struggling, you know, I was like struggling, you know, with time and like that, but I was making a living and also pursuing my acting career, which was really great. So I, I credit them for like, you know, in, you know, giving me that kind of thinking. What kind of work did you do while you were trying to get on your feet as an actor? Uh, I wrote commercials. I oh. wrote yeah. Well, there I you wrote go. commercials for like, yeah, years. So it'd be like, yeah, it'd be like, right. It was, it, it was create double creativity, double rejection. <laughs> it was re- getting rejected with my ideas all day and then going on auditions and getting rejected. It was, it was quite fun. That, that does not sound like a lot of fun. I, I have no. to say, <laughs> no, it was good. I mean, I think they fed uh, one, fed the other, and and uh, it was good. You know, I had a creative outlet in two ways, but 
finally about eight years ago, I, the acting went out and I got to quit my job. Thank God. Um, because advertising is, it's rough. It's not a 24 hour, it's not a nine to five, uh, nine to five job. It's like a 24 hour. This is life kind of job. Oh yeah. You probably yeah. like wake up in the middle of the night and have to scribble down an idea. And then you wake you up, and wake up in the morning. You're like, God, that was a terrible idea. Why did I even wake up? Five days. Later. I mean, you just described my life. Yeah, it yeah. was awful. Yeah, or halfway through the pitch the next day, you're like, this is terrible. This yeah. is a talk cucumber. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was rough, man. But again, you learned a lot. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So do you now that you're now that you're on your feet as an actor though? Are you writing shorts or anything, or uh, are are you still writing actively? I guess would be my question. Yeah, you know what I. After I was done advertising, writing was something that I kind of had to step away from because it was my job. I think it was like I used to always compare it to being like a trainer, and then like after that, being like I don't want to go to the gym anymore. <laughs> like that was so exhausting, and the constant revisions and re, you know having to like just dig ideas, beat them to death, and take people's notes, and constantly it's like I, what I always thought it's like a smaller version of what it's like to work at a studio. So when I see like what Warner Brothers is doing to those DC movies, I'm like, oh yeah, I had clients like that when I worked on you know this brand or that brand. But um, yeah, I, I I didn't write for a while, and then in the last year or so, I started picking up some things. I wrote so many things back then, like scripts and screenplays and plays, and I actually picked up uh, a couple things to shoot uh, last two years ago because I had a meeting in L.A. I wanted to present some content that I created, and uh, this one thing became a short, and we got into a bunch of film festivals last year, and like I traveled around with it. It was pretty cool. It was like a four-minute short called Pizza Night that was about my family. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like, you know, I think short films are tough, and uh, especially when we did it in four minutes, I was really proud of what we achieved in four minutes. You know, it's, short films are tough. I think a lot of people try to like, uh, they end up in that nine-minute category, and it's kind of like, it. what is this, what is that, or like the 30-minute ones, which are awesome. It's just like, you know, it, it was a real interesting learning process for me. Yeah, well, in, in trying to tell a story in a brief period of time, I mean, most of us who are amateurs or who just play with it on the side, we can all come up with a 12,000 chapter, uh, you know, magnum opus on the yeah. level of Dune or, you know, everybody can come up with <laughs> a, a grand epic. But, you know, telling a, a story, getting the story across in a short period of time or a small number of pages, that is an art form. It is. It yeah. is. And, but I think also the, the pro, you know, the thing is the patience of it. I think everybody these days, because you can shoot and make something your own mm -hmm. everybody wants to like scribble 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 let's go and then later and they want to like get views and like the numbers on instagram and 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 youtube hits and you're like yeah but like i think you'll get those hits and stuff if you take your time have something to say and make sure that you like go through the process of the revisions and re you know get some notes and go through it and make sure it is the most brief tight thing you could um even if it's a, a feature that it's a really tight piece of work where you have something to say and then you'll see the hits and the views and the attention you want. I think in this day and age, it's like instant gratification of like, got an idea. Boom, boom, boom. Let's see. And then it's like, well, there's a reason you got 75 hits or 110 hits on that. Cause like you didn't really think it out very much. Did you? I think there's a time and a place for that. And I think it's great with social media, but if you're going to tell stories, tell a story, you know? Well, and that's probably also a lot of people. Okay. I'm going to try to do this without stepping on my own feet or putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> a lot of people don't understand story structure. Uh -uh. Um, and they don't, 
take the time to just beginning, middle, end, and then, you know, maybe a B plot thrown in there just to break up the tension. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever structure you want to use. They just get on this idea and run with it. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times I say just finish whatever product, whether it's a comic book or whatever you're working on. Don't shoot for perfect, shoot for finished. Yeah. But that doesn't mean release garbage either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you shoot for finish for sure. Like, I think that is a huge, huge goal as a writer. Like, that's an amazing goal. Like, that should be your goal. Like, shoot for finish. That's an unbelievable accomplishment. And when you're done, put it down and have that glass of whiskey and, like, hell yeah. But then realize, like, cool. Now I have, a, like, now we have the clay and now we have this thing. Now my job is starting. Like, yeah. that's the, you know, that's like the cool phase of making something good great. And uh, I just see so many people, because, like, there's a lot of friends and people I have that know I have that writing background and have done a lot of work that send me tons of stuff. And you're like, this is great. Like, the amount of ideas and stuff are great. And you give them notes and then they kind of disappear into the shadows because they don't really want to revisit it with notes. And you're like, dude, some of these great things you've seen or love took years to, like, chip at and mold and turn into something good. I think people just want to be like, cool, what do you think? And, you, and they want you to be like, this is amazing, like, cool, I'm going to shoot it. As opposed to like, this is really good. What I think you need to do is this, that, and this, and that, and this. I don't think it'd be much, and then you, they're never heard from again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had this idea for a comic book a couple of years ago, and through, through a friend hooked up with this guy who wanted to write comic books. I read a couple of his short stories and thought, okay, great. So after we've gone over kind of the, the story beats, I want to make sure are in there. And I'm getting ready to send him his first couple hundred bucks to get him started. Mm -hmm. he, come, he comes back and goes, oh, by the way, I think your story sucks, and this is how we should do it. Ooh. And, you know, whatever, because here's, here's the thing. He's an artist, and he's looking to do art. I was looking for a commercial transaction. Yeah. Here's my idea. Help me get it into a readable format, and then we'll refine it together. But then I go, okay, dude, I, that's, we're not going to do this. It's, I'm sorry. We'll just, you know, go on to this, but I'm still willing to do it your way. And then I'm thinking, now I really know you're not the right guy for me to work with. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard thing, man. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the, uh, the, uh, the working with someone in a creative way is so hard. Um, when I worked in advertising, you have a partner, you know, like you have someone that, and there are people who stick with partners forever, but. It was hard, man. It's it's really hard to be collaborative. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm all for it. I love collaboration. But to find I think there's collaboration, then there's sign finding someone who knows their place and knows exactly they, they work as fast and as hard as you do in the same thing and open to ideas. There's nothing I want more than if I have an idea to someone make it better. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. That's the whole freaking point of it. Yeah, that that was kind of my I was uh, what's the way I could put this? I was trying to be entrepreneurial in story writing. Like I came right. up with an idea. I had the beats. Now I'm going to hand this off to somebody. You go make this shit work. And then I'll hire an artist when we're done with that set, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's probably not the right way to approach it. I don't know. I think it's depending on you find the right person for that. You know, Yeah. it's tough. It's tough. Oh yeah. Especially I'd... when people want to get paid for their time. And then, you know, some people get excited about ideas and ideas and don't need, you know, uh, the right money and then some people need the money and then once people like put that on their docket they have other people paying more money and it's just weird when it comes to collaborating creatively oh, it's yeah. a weird thing absolutely and see i'm one of those guys that you know if i'm going to do it i'm going to pay you know if it's worth me asking somebody to help me do it i'm going to pay them to do it you know even 
for sure. Whatever I can afford, because too many people are are expected to work for too many creative people are expected to work for um, exposure dollars nowadays. Yeah. You know, hey, come write for my website. It doesn't pay, but you know, five people will read it. It'd be good for yeah. you. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always think it's important, like being there. You know, be, being an actor that did free stuff for you. You know, in the beginning, and even like when I was writing, doing stuff. You know, I always want to like compensate them because it also gives them a little bit more like juice yeah. to like do it yeah it's important yeah and i and i get because i mean like well you know george lucas is from my hometown here oh and, wow. yeah yeah he, uh, he actually went to school not in the same class but he went to the same high school my mom did within two years of her oh no way yeah um but you know george lucas passed over like money up front to get merchandising stuff in place on star wars so i mean there are times and places to go like you know what don't pay me now we'll we'll deal with this on the back end Totally. Did you see that documentary on Netflix about the toys? I did. That was amazing. Amazing. I Amaz actually I saw two of them. Was it Plastic Galaxy? Is that the one you're talking about? No, no. It's one called like the Toys We Loved or something. Yes, that Patton Oswald. No, no. Yeah, did Pat, he Patton it? Oswald did the voiceover. Oh, did he? Yeah. It, it was. There's only four episodes. Yes, they did. Uh, he Man, GI Joe, Barbie, yes. and Star Wars. Yes. Yes, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So there's also another one. I don't know if it's still on Netflix called Plastic Galaxy that is just okay. about Kenner and the Star Wars toys. Oh, now you just gave me something yeah. to do tonight. Just write that down <laughs> because you'll want to check That's it out. Awesome. It's good. Uh, obviously, they rehash a lot of the same info. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know the reason um, the reason I watched that one Plastic Galaxy is when I was first starting this podcast. A friend of mine who's from Northern Kentucky, so the same the same uh, media market as Kenner Toys used to be in, mm -hmm. is a big Star Wars collector. Mm -hmm. And I said something about remembering a kid who had the Boba Fett whose backpack shot. He's like, "No, you don't." I'm like, "Sure, I, of course I do." So they mm -hmm. never actually went into the public. I'm like, "Get out!" Because I, Brian, I remember a kid having it, but I don't oh, yeah. because it never happened. It, <laughs> it was. It was a rumor that somehow my brain just went like, of course I saw it. We all saw it, you know. We saw it on the back with the proof of purchases. Thing. Exactly. Yeah, that's where we saw it. Yeah. Because when, yeah, when it was released, it didn't have it. That's crazy. Did you see the new Jabba the Hutt? Jabba the Hutt? The barge, the ship that they're making. See that this week? Yeah. Uh, when did, I saw it. io9 or somebody had a story about it a week or two ago. Oh, I told my buddy today who collects that stuff still, and his like, his wife was actually around when I said it. I was like, I'll give you money to get that. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you for that. And she goes, it. don't you dare. She really got mad. She's like, you have no idea what we're dealing with in the basement with this stuff. <laughs> oh, man. That's but it's worth funny. it. It's like the aircraft carrier from G.I. Joe equivalent. Yes. See, you, you, you grew up with the same toys I did. I can tell already. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm drinking out of a actually – one of my, my, my water right here, I'm drinking out of the great Muppet Caper uh, McDonald's glass. That's, glass. I, I do. I absolutely remember that. Um, here, okay, so my studio is a little bit torn up right now, but I'm looking at the top shelf on my left, and I have a Darth Vader tiki cup. Oh, nice. I have three of the Return of the Jedi, I think they were Burger King glasses. They were Burger King. Yeah. I bring that up, yeah. And then I have four, and I don't remember who did these, Four Star Trek glasses from 2009, but they are all still in the box. Ooh. Yeah. Very nice. And I actually, I had a whole set of the Star Wars Tiki glasses. I think it came from a listener because they were just like on my doorstep one day. Oh, that's, dude. 
You and, you you should be taking more advantage of that. <laughs> I probably should. But you know what I did was my tattoo artist is really into tiki decor. So I took out a couple that I wanted to keep, and I gave him the rest. Oh, that's awesome. And then I got my Millennium Falcon uh, Never Tell Me the Odds tattoo on my forearm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty, that's cool. Pretty happy with that one. So then I'll ask you this really quick, yeah. Star Wars thing. Did you know about the dice in the Millennium Falcon prior to all this crap that's going I on? <laughs> had read – okay, so there were there was a thing about the dice that I had read – probably 15 years ago, but the last time I heard it brought up before this was when they talked about him hanging the dice in one of the shots in the force awakens. So, I mean, it's going to play out in solo. Oh, of course. Yeah. But like, come on, I appreciate it. It just kind of seemed, I don't know. I have, I have, I saw, I was going to, I didn't listen to it because I wanted to, I saw you had a whole thing that you got into the um, last Jedi, which I have my thoughts on, but I mean, I wasn't very happy with that whole situation. <laughs> so are you, you are anti the last Jedi? Yeah, I went, I saw it and then I was like, I was tired. So I didn't know if I was like, there was a moment during that where I was like, Brian, did, did you grow up and this isn't what it is anymore? And I was like, no. And then I went and saw it again. I'm like, yeah, I got issues with this one. Yeah. So now that it's on home video, I've made a little more peace with it, and I like it a little bit better. There are things about it that it, it wiped the slate clean. There are real, there are no Jedi, there are no Sith. The Empire's gone. The Rebellion's pretty much gone. The First Order's pretty much gone. But it was, felt like a Harry Potter film. Yeah, I just the th- there's a few things that I just like immediately i mean there's some great things in it i will totally say that there's some awesome awesome stuff in it but like there are things that just like i mean off the bat just like the humor the first joke in that movie is such a 2017 joke about being on hold that just does not fit in star wars star wars never had jokes like the things that were funny and great about it or great funny and great about anything in the world of cinema is when they're realistic and coming out of characters mm. the character development like the han everything han solo said that was cool or funny was just because he delivered that in a way that was like, eh. but these jokes they're writing in there was just like, oh man, yeah. So I I don't I don't have that much animus towards it as I did when it first came out. I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, man. Like at all? Like I don't have any sense <laughs> of how I feel about this. <laughs> yeah, I still I, I'll I'll watch it one more time, but I I have to look away when Leah flies. Um, see, I don't understand why, why people didn't take that. No. I, I, I don't get what everybody's, not everybody, I, th- I don't get uh, the, the, the distaste for that scene though. I think it's, to me, there was an opportunity there that was unexpected. I thought there were going to be bigger risks of her actually, that's how she goes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, wow, good storytelling. Oh, here's our little way out of this. And then you're like, okay, that's all right. It just, I don't know. I didn't like that. I didn't like the pogs or whatever. Is that, what are they called? The Porgs. Porgs, those things. The whole uh, Casino Island thing that was so episode one-ish, two-ish. I don't know. I had I could go on. <laughs> no, I, I, I get that. And, you know, you're, you're definitely not the first person I've heard say that they didn't like it and then saw it a second time and still didn't like it. And you I know, think it doesn't help that Rogue One was so on the money. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, out of the last three that came out, Rogue One is my favorite. Oh, 
I, yeah. but here's the thing. I would have paid twenty dollars for that Darth Vader scene at the end. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god, dude. Yeah, I mean, Rogue One is just—they nailed it. That's yeah. everything. The tone and all that stuff. Uh, I'm hoping Solo, man. That, you know, after the trouble they've been through with the Lord Miller guys and whatever. I don't feel good about that movie. I, I want to. I mean, I think that kid has got a really hard. I, I really feel bad for him yeah. because he's he's. He, he has two ways to go where he kind of tries to do a Harrison Ford Han Solo thing or he creates his own charismatic version of that. And either way, people are going to hate it. Yep. So I think he's going to do a great job. I truly do. I just think that he can't win. The th- yeah, no, he's got he's got a really heavy lift in front of him. A really heavy lift. Um, yeah, I remember my, my grandfather, before he passed away, I said something about them making a new Star Trek with a different Captain Kirk. And my, my grandfather reaches in his pocket, pulls out his wallet, and he flips to the picture section. Because older mm-hmm. people carried pictures with him. <laughs> right. He flips it through the pictures real quick, gets past his kids, and there's uh, William Shatner's Captain Kirk. He's like, there's only one Captain Kirk. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know how long he'd been carrying that picture around. but Oh, that is cool. That yeah. is really cool. I like those new Star Trek movies. Oh yeah, so do I. Well, I like the first one and the third one. The second one, I have I'm ambivalent towards pieces of. I am on the same exact page. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see that Tarantino one. I was until the Uma Thurman stuff came out about Tarantino. Oh uh, yeah, that, that's that, pretty lame. Yeah, that kind of. I mean, I was real excited, and then all of a sudden, I was just kind of like, Ugh, I, I gotta let this one rest now. Yeah, well, I hear you. I feel you. So you're saying earlier you said uh, drink a glass of whiskey is a celebration. Are you a whiskey guy? Uh, you know what? I've been a huge, huge whiskey guy, and then as of late, I've taken some months off here because it was pilot season, and uh, you know that's just our busy time of year. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be fresh, and with the show airing and stuff, uh, I just wanted to be a little fresh. You know, I'm a big uh, sports guy, so football season is always rough. So once that's over, it's nice to like refresh and like get healthy. So I laid off uh, the whiskey, but I was a big whiskey guy. Basil Hayden, Bullet. Oh, yeah. Eagle Rare, uh, Woodford. But uh, now I don't know if I can go back to that. I think it's just uh, I drink it neat, man, and straight. And, like, those are great for a few. But when you, like, look over and the bottle's gone, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that hurts, man. That, that, well, it's, that's a rough morning at the very least. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Those so, days you're like, God, I actually know where my liver is now. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I'm making this transition over like tequila, like sipping on tequila with the ice cube. So a buddy of mine, I got real sick in high school on uh, tequila sunrises, so I don't drink tequila. Yeah. yeah. But a buddy of mine is all about high end tequilas in a in a brandy glass. He is. It's a liqueur. You have to drink it like a liqueur. Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, I, and I realize Cuervo Gold is not true tequila. I, I know that. But man, it's just like. I don't know if I can get over the hump and ever try tequila again. Yeah, man. No, I I have those too. It's I, I always thought you know the high end stuff when you sip on it, it's good, and it's like it sounds so stupid and I hate to be this guy, but like I think there's like the gluten thing. You know, it's just like it just is a healthier thing for your body to digest, believe it or not, and it just doesn't make me feel as crappy the next day. And yeah. I, I was telling my buddy that who does it all the time. He's like, Yeah, dude, that's why I drink it. I was like, Oh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. But I'm not a beer guy at all. See, I am, but only because I can drink a ton of them, and I got a lot of a lot of time before I, you know, end up in bad shape. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. It's I not because, that. I mean, I don't drink t- Bud Light because it tastes good. I, I drink it because I can stay well hydrated, you know? Yeah. Oh, dude, that was my problem. I can drink like 27 of those things, but at, 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 who should be drinking 27 of anything? Right. Like, that's, that's crazy. That's part of it. Yeah. Well, see, I've got some friends who like are making beer and mead and stuff now. Oh, that's cool. So like Saturday, like yesterday, my wife and I went to our friend's house. And the girls stayed inside and cooked while we sat in the garage drinking different beers he made and playing uh, a new video game he bought. Oh, nice! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, it's it's a way to it's a way to burn out a Saturday, especially <laughs> especially when I had floors I could have done at home or repainted my studio or oh. know, other other important stuff. I'd... Oh yeah, I spent I was at my buddy's house who's married with three kids and we did the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it's better that way. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit, and we'll go back to your TV show here, The Shy. Yeah, you're playing a, a detective on there. Tell me a little bit about uh, Detective Bill Wallace. Uh, well, on the show, there's two detectives, uh, and uh, there's me and uh, Detective Wallace and Detective Cruz, played by Armando Riesco, who's unbelievably awesome. Um, we he we are kind of like two s- different sides of the coin, if you know what I mean. He's kind of a little bit more. Uh, open-minded and uh, I think he cares and I think Wallace has been around uh, this district and uh, job a little bit longer and is more jaded and has a more dark view on things so that's kind of uh, I think our dynamic there there you go now are you a a jaded uh, darker view person personally or are you playing (laughs) against type here oh I've never this is I, I still am like I mean, I still think they can recast me like in my head. I'm like, they'll go back and reshoot everything for the DVDs. It's like I'd never played a character like this in my life. I've never played anybody. And when I got the call, I was like, I'm done going in for these like tough guy, like cop stuff because I never, ever got them. I never just not what I've done over my career. I'm usually like the funny or like caring dad or things like that. So to like go be a darker character and grow a beard and like just like, you know, do something off type for me was like unbelievably fun and unbelievably like rewarding, I think in the end, but I loved it. I loved it. You know, yeah, it's just, you, you, you loving comic book movies and stuff. You see always like, you know, there's so many guys who played like, you know, the, the bad guy like parts and it seems like such a trap and you know, when they're good, they're great, you know? And when they're like, eh, you're like, you just kind of played the, you know, you just kind of did a bad guy. My one of the guys I was shocked by the most when I first saw him play a bad guy and how good he was at it was John Lithgow. Oh, God. Yeah, dude. And I, you know, right. it's kind of like Michael Keaton is Batman. You're like, I never put that together in my head. But now that I see it, holy shit. Yeah. Lithgow scary is a bad guy for yeah. sure. There's something in his just there, there's like a subtext to everything he does in its banality and norm- normalcy that makes it all the more terrifying. Oh, dude, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you go down the list, you know, like Anthony Hopkins, you know, Silence of the Lambs, like, whew. or even, I mean, I hate to do it, but I can do it because this is geekish cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Heath Ledger. Yes. I mean, there's no way, man. That's the greatest thing of all time to me. Like, I hate to, you know, you sit around with your actor friends, you talk about, like, their classic this or that, and some are theater friends and this and that. And if I bring up Heath Ledger as the Joker, as, like, the greatest thing ever, you get looks like, but then you get people go, yeah, yeah, that was pretty amazing. Like, you know, dude, that was I, amazing. I don't know how you follow that. I, like, ever, just the, 
the way they went this just like punk rock version of the Joker and it landed and it landed every time. And you know, that's one of those movies when I first saw the dark Knight, I left the theater going, I don't know how I feel about this because it was too dark. Uh, just in general, I was like the way it ended. I don't know if I like that. And they killed Rachel kind of out of nowhere. I don't know how I feel. I literally got home that night and I told my wife, I was like, I just, I, she didn't go with me the day I saw it. And I'm like, you need to go back with me tomorrow. Cause I need to see this again right away and, and figure out how I feel about it. it. I left the theater uncomfortable and I never like, yeah, I can't remember the last time I left that, but in a, like a white crazy way, I, that movie scared the living. I mean, I'm not I'm not a big scary movie guy at all, but there was a very uncomfortable feeling. But that's Heath Ledger's performance and the score, the, like what they Hans Zimmer did that with him and all that. That's that movie is just untouchable to me. But I do feel like the ending was like that extra third that third act was, I don't know the boat stuff and yeah. I kind of I, I kind of wish they had left some of that for for a sequel. I understand why they couldn't or didn't, yeah, but, but that's I kind yeah I kind of feel like they overstuffed the sausage at the end. Yeah, and I mean, I think also like that's that's one of the biggest sad places in my mind to think that they were going to do that for a while. Mm-hmm. If he didn't, uh, if he didn't die, that that's unbelievable. The possibilities there, because the Dark Knight Rises, Ooh. shit on toast, man. Sad that thing was toast. a a bad remake of Batman Begins. That's all I ever get from it. I the the logic in that movie is just so off, and Nolan is such a guy that like lives by logic, and that's why those movies work. And then to like totally go off script with that was just so, I don't know, between Rises and Justice League, I don't know which one I, I could watch like side to side because God dang it, that was awful. Yeah, I I have given Dark Knight Rises multiple chances because you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of movies that I watch and I did like and I go back and watch them again and realize it was me and not them, you know. For sure. I always try to give it another chance, man. Yeah. Whenever it's on, I'm like one more time and then no. Yeah. It's, um, and, and you got to realize, like, I like some weird, some weird goddamn movies, you know, <laughs> Billy Jack is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, know? I don't know that one. Oh, I got to figure out a way to get a copy of this to you. It is. So there was an actor, uh, he, he did some cowboy movies in the sixties. His name was Tom Laughlin. Mm-hmm. He and his wife decided they were going to make some movies like together. So the first one they made was born losers about this, uh, half Indian who just got back from Vietnam and he fights off some bikers. Pretty typical 60s road movie drive-in theater stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that character, Billy Jack, they do a sequel, and now it's about that same character having moved on to a reservation where there's this hippie school, and they wrote it, they directed it, they produced it. I'll bet they even catered it themselves. <laughs> and when Warner Brothers was going to pull distribution, he locked himself in a room and started burning the film reels. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it had a couple more sequels, but those don't matter. Bill, Born Losers and Billy Jack are really the two. Uh, wow. I, 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 hold on, I'm going to make myself a note here. <laughs> I'm going to make sure, because I gave away my last copies of the DVDs because I'd ripped them. Was it uh, online anywhere? I don't know. I haven't looked, but uh, check it out. You might be able to find it. Okay, cool. The 1980s Flash Gordon movie is one of oh, my yeah. all-time favorites. Yeah, that... That's funny. Like I've seen that movie a bunch of times. It scared me more at that time for some reason. Oh, see, I'm, I'm was, I was a Flash Gordon guy growing up. Like I saw all the Buster Crab stuff. Yeah. Um, I and right now I have you know, my my left arm from my elbow to my shoulder. I have a full half sleeve of Flash Gordon, Ming the Merciless, Dale Arden, rocket ships, and all that stuff. 
Oh, my pops loves that movie. I mean, like, I remember him watching it over and over again. And I liked it. It was just like there was something about the bad guy that's kind of, like, freaked me out. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and, and as you get older, you start realizing he was a ye- yellow peril fear character and kind of racist. And you're all like, ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> Did you ever see that uh, making of... What is it? It's like one of the best documentaries of like the Dune movie that never was. The Hordorowski. Uh, uh, oh, oh that it? was outstanding. Yes, I have. Oh, my God. That is insane. Yeah, that, awesome. that would have been wild. Uh, Pink Floyd was, was going to do the music for the Harkonnens. Uh, uh, I want to see that about. Well, I think they're trying to do it now. Is that about the Justice League Mortal movie, right? They're working on something because somebody's digging up a lot of info on it. There's and it's been popping up lately, yeah. Yeah, I've been a lot of pictures that have come out. I am okay that they didn't make that because what I didn't find out until recently is that when they killed Justice League Mortal is uh-huh. when he got uh, Mad Max back. Okay. Gotcha. That was that was the deal. If you kill this movie, I get Mad Max back. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so when I found that out, I was like, okay, I'm I I would rather have Fury Road than well, uh, Justice League movie. Here's a couple of geeky things you'll appreciate with the shy actually. Uh, that so uh, Common was one of our producers, and well, I never got a chance to do it, but I was like, you know, I met him a few times. He wasn't as around as much as you think. He's all doing being Common everywhere, and a really yeah. great dude. But I had it all ready that I, that was going to be my question when I like actually had a conversation with him. I was like, dude, tell me about Justice League Mortal, and. I, you could blow some of these people's minds because who directed our first episode, our pilot, is Rick Fumoyiwa, who did Dope. I think I pronounced his last name right. Okay. He was, um, he, he was yeah. supposed to make the Flash movie for Warner Brothers. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So when uh, he directed our first episode and gave me my job, actually. So he took us all out for drinks before the pilot episode, the, the cast. And, uh, you know, he made a movie called Dope, which is unbelievable. It's a really great movie that kind of put him, got him the tension that, you know, he got to that move. Dope got him the flash from Warner Brothers. So he obviously we know that that all fell out, right? Him with the flash, like they had, he left the project. There were creative differences. So I could not believe that I was going to finally meet him because my uh, I got my audition off a self tape from my house. There was no callback. They cast me off the tape. I made my living room. So I never got to meet him actually until this night. So when I first met him, I go, I know everyone here is talking to you about dope, Rick, but I have to ask you about the flash. And he just started dying. He's like, really? And he was like, yes, because all he knows is me playing this dark character in my audition tape (laughs) that he had no idea. I'm like this giant, like fat nine year old geek. And uh, I was just like, dude, tell me everything. And he was telling me what he could about it. And I stopped him with some stuff, but he he had so much to say about it. And the production designer for our show also did the flash with him. And some of the stuff that he even told me they were doing was like unbelievably going to be cool. But Warner Brothers, he's like, it's just. I am so frustrated because the TV show, The Flash, I mean, it's kind of flagging a little bit now, but it has been such a good take on that character in that world. And I'm like, why why are you guys doing it that different on the big screen? Yeah, my yeah. brother loves that Flash TV show. Yeah. He's always trying to sell it to me. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the I think one of the better superhero shows. But honestly, Legends of Tomorrow has been the standout. Oh, that's cool. Its first season was so bad, and then everything after that has been so good. That's awesome. Because they they do stuff like these guys were messing with history, so they kidnapped George Lucas. 
and, oh, had, yeah. and, and all their pop culture references were wrong after that. So they had to go back and save Star Wars to, to fix the world. Yeah. And that's just, awesome. there's one where they have to go take a guitar away from Elvis Presley because it's raising the spirits from the dead. I mean, just all sorts of cool stuff. And they're turning over characters like John Constantine. If it gets a fourth season, Constantine yeah. will be a full time character on the show. That's awesome. It's kind of quantum. Is that quantum leapish? Kind of. <laughs> what it is, it's um, the guy. Oh, I can't remember the actor's name. The guy that played Rory on Doctor Who is playing a time master. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of gone rogue, and he was doing stuff. So they have each season has an overarching story, and then they have like a couple breakaway episodes, and they only do like twelve or thirteen episodes a season. But they just they do crazy stuff, and it's fun. And I'm so sick of dark and gloomy right now. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every time I read the words a a dark and gritty take on, I'm just like this. I don't want to see it. Yeah, you know? it'll be interesting what they do with that Flashpoint movie. I I'm kind of interested in that. Have you been keeping up with any of the Shazam stuff? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I am so excited about this movie that I actually fear its release because I've, <laughs> I've been hurt before. I, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's a, dude, I, I saw Suicide Squad one and a half times. I couldn't get through it the second time. Yeah. Yeah, the Shazam stuff looks great. I was weird about him being cast, Zachary Levi or whatever. That was a weird choice, or and that then, seemed yeah. a weird choice. Yeah, and then I, the first side of the costume, I was like, uh, and then after looking at him, I'm like, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've got a, a slight a slight bitch to me. Actually, you know what? We we ran over time. Can you stick with me five more minutes, and then I'll let you go? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so... I've got a thing. I'm, I'm that kid back in school when they'd call him Shazam. I'd be like, no, no, that's Captain Marvel. And then I'd get punched uh, in the nose, you know. <laughs> so now that's not the case anymore. And yeah. Shazam's a stupid name for a superhero. <laughs> you know, that's I, I, you say that now, but, dude, the movie, I feel like that movie's going to change it. It's going to be, like, you know, Iron Man was a stupid name. Oh, see, I always liked Iron Man as a name. It's all right there in the title, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's the Shazam's. I hope that's so good. Yeah, that's. I think if Shazam and Aquaman are any good, I think that can turn the boat around for DC. I have hope for that Aquaman. Yeah, that guy. Who did I just? Oh, if this one gets done, Jason Momoa is going to be in the remake of The Crow or the the reboot of The Crow. Yeah, which has been lingering. Like, let's not. Why do we need to do that? Like, come on. I would like to see one that is faithful to the comic book. Yeah, but also I don't want to see Aquaman be the crow. No, that's kind of weird. But I, I yeah. just think that he, well, you know what? I, I got to be careful because he ruined Conan. Oh, that's that was, what I knew him from. Yeah, that's terrible. But he's actually, I think he's going to be really good in Aquaman. I was impressed. I mean, like he got screwed in that Justice League movie. Yeah, but I feel know, bad for that. He Go did ahead. good with a bad script in Justice League. Yeah, I thought he was great in it, but yeah. I think he got screwed with, like, they cut a lot of stuff. That, yeah. It's just like Ray Fisher as Cyborg, too. I feel bad for that dude. That dude gets cast as, as a Cyborg in, like, 2012, has to sit around and wait, and then it finally comes out thinking it's going to, like, and they chopped all his stuff. It's uh, Yeah. Yeah, you know, and part of the reason I'm so not well, – the reason I'm dreading Han Solo as much as I am is because part of what happened with Justice League. Oh, yeah. Is, you know, they, they take one guy off and put another guy in. And even though he's great, they still turned out a movie that you're just like, wow, that was like warm mud. I, oh. I, I don't even know what to say about this. 
I literally watched it the other day again. I was just so, oh, it's just, oh, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. heartbreaking. But Thor it's Ragnarok holds up pretty well on a, on another viewing. Oh, yeah. that That is, again, those guys, I mean, I can't wait. I, I, Infinity War is going to be insane. All right. Do you have I, any predictions of who dies? Oh, uh, no. Well, I'm trying to stay out of that prediction because... Honestly, if you're going to do it big, you get rid of Tony Stark and Captain America. Yep. Um, and, you know, they, what are those guys getting paid per flick right now? You know, like, it's yeah. like the economy of a couple small countries. For sure. You know, and I'm sure, you know, the movies are going to make a ton of money. And, you know, Black Panther just made more money than any superhero movie ever. Crazy. Yeah. And, you know, and I still haven't seen it. Oh really? One yeah. of our one of our main characters shows up at the end, which is really cool. And really? Yeah. yeah, I I still it it came out on the day after my dad died. No, oh. I'm sorry, it came out the day my dad died. Oh man, I'm sorry. So I was like, I had we had already had plans to go see it, and we were going to go to Monterey that weekend, and then that happened. But four days before that happened, I had an uncle pass away. February was a terrible month. Oh man. Um, so I just, it's one of those things like now I think I've put it off so much that I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to wait at this point. It's great, man. You should, you'll like it. It's great. Oh yeah. I, I have no question about it. I mean, it just looks fantastic. They're getting lazy with the, uh, the, the extra bonus scenes or whatever. I don't yeah. like those anymore. Yeah. I, look, the first couple were so big. I don't know why they kept doing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were so, when, uh, Nick Fury walks in. Yeah. Stuff like that. You're just like, holy cow. Yes. They need to make it more teaserish. They're now yeah. they're just like here, throwing a bone. Yeah. Here's another spaceship, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brian, we have run over time. So first I'm going to ask you one thing. Can I keep you on my Rolodex when I need celebrity guests who talk about nerdy stuff? <laughs> yes, you can. Jeremy. Oh, awesome. I'm going to put a star next to your name right here in my book. Perfect. Um, if people want to find out more about you on the interwebs, where can they check you out? Uh, you know, I, I just kind of get back, got back into Twitter. If you really want to follow me and see me do dumb stuff or see what's going on with whatever I'm working on, uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at the son of Bozo, uh, which is tough to, I don't really, my name's on there somewhere, but at the son of Bozo. And, uh, I think that's pretty much it. All right. And your, uh, your work is available. People can go check you out on IMDb as well. Yeah, IMDb, and right now the sh uh, the shy is uh, you can binge watch it on Showtime on demand. Uh, I think on the Showtime app too, and uh, they're rerunning uh, the heck out of them too. We're just a week after the final ten episodes. Totally watch it. You will absolutely love it. I promise. Awesome. All right, uh, Brian, thank you very much for taking the time to do this. I do appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me on. It was yeah, fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, everybody, please go check out uh, Brian King over on Instagram at the son of Bozo, if we can figure out how to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, check out the show The Shy on Showtime. Um, I, I'm hoping to have you back. So, uh, you know, just make sure you keep your keep your email warmed up. And, absolutely. Yeah. Let's chat about Solo, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm going to make that note as well, right here under the star, Solo release. And everybody else, you can check us out at geekishcast.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast because I don't believe in keeping everything, uh, you know, consistent. 
I am on Instagram, but I amazingly just put up pictures of beer, whiskey, and dogs. And uh, that's pretty much it. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next time.